This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hi there, and welcome to the Press Gallery, Edmonton Journal's politics podcast, the License to Infuriate edition. It's July 10th, and my name is Sarah O'Donnell. I'm an editorial writer with the Journal, and joining me this week in the scenic newsroom studio for what I think is going to be a really fun road trip through the week in Alberta politics are provincial affairs reporter Karen Cleese. Hi there. Legislature columnist Graham Thompson. Hello. And columnist Paula Simons. Hello, Sarah. We've also very excitingly got our first live studio audience here, students from the Cappies camp. Yay! And these are the guys who are the top critics from the past year from the Cappies program. So we're all a little nervous to be here in a room full of critics. We'll, we'll get the feedback afterwards, I'm sure. So let's hit the road and hit our topics at 100 kilometers per hour. We're going to talk or argue about the news that Alberta is getting new license plates. And then we'll shift gears to talk about the report card that the province just got from the Auditor General on a host of issues. Our first topic, though, is so controversial that we debated whether we should even debate it. But since it is an issue that's irritating some people in all kinds of ways, we're going to go there. Alberta is getting new license plates. Karen, can you start with some of the facts for us? Just the facts. How did we find out about this plan to revamp the license plates? Are we going to start with the facts? I thought I was going to start with my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, sweetie, that's my job. Oh, no, no, I, no. I was planning this. We had a big discussion yesterday. Okay. All right, Paula, can you lay out some of the facts for us then? We'll, we'll reverse roles here. All right. The facts are that Alberta hasn't replaced its license plates in decades. I mean, I'm driving around with a license plate on the back of my car that is more than 25 years old. So there is an argument to be made that we have come to the time when we should replace our plates, especially with our growing population. And a plan back when Ed Stelmack was premier to replace the plates got put on hold because it seemed you know, politically, politically and economically costly. So this issue is back now. Uh, there are a couple of controversies. One is that they have removed the catchphrase, Wild Rose Country, from the plates, which may or may not have something to do with the fact that the main opposition party is the Wild Rose Party, and perhaps the government doesn't really want people driving around promoting Wild Rose Country while they're worrying about the Wild Rose taking over government next time. Uh, the other controversy is that the we've been given three designs from which to choose. They're all basically the same image of mountains. One is a very photorealistic picture. The other two are more stylized. And so there have been some controversies around the fact that the images are all very similar, uh, frankly, that they're a bit cheesy, and that um, that 
really, you can only see mountains from very few places in this province. And if you live in, say, Fort McMurray or Edmonton or Red Deer or Lethbridge, you can't see any mountains. So that is some of the controversy. And then I'm sure Karen has an opinion about something else. So Karen, those are some of the reasons why some people are mad. But is that why you're mad? Are you just that attached to the Wild Rose license plate in Alberta that you're just distressed to see it leave the back of your car? Well, I can tell you what the reaction in the press gallery was yesterday. There is no question in my mind that the reason that the government released the information about or the press release about the uh, changing license plates on the day that it did was specifically to knock the Auditor General's report off the front page and off the top of the six o'clock news. Now, I've been covering this beat for a long time now. I have never seen Auditor General Merwan saw her release a report that was so scathing and so toughly worded as he did on Tuesday. Okay, and, and we're going to talk about that. That's right. And the government knows these reports are coming. Not only do they know because they're under investigation, but they also know because they get advanced copies so that they can prepare their response. Now, uh, the Auditor General castigated the province on its crummy climate change plan. It castigated the province on its uh, outsourcing of surgical facilities. It said that all of the annual reports that they release provide little information and virtually no analysis to Albertans. The overarching theme was simple. It said that the government doesn't tell Albertans what it's doing. And the supreme and spectacular irony of this, this story is that the government took deliberate steps to prevent Albertans from knowing what it's preventing Albertans from knowing. And I think that Albertans ought to give some consideration as to whether or not that is a transparent and accountable government. Really? You don't think you can have, I mean, it's a big government. Can't you do more than one thing on the same day? I mean, can't you have the Auditor General's reports come down and then also in Calgary during Stampede do a thing about license plates, which people seem to care about? I, I'm just playing devil's advocate I'm not here. sure that I can actually give the government this much credit for <laughs> concocting that efficient a conspiracy. I think that's their job. Yeah. I mean, do you remember when Neela Barton was press secretary for the uh, McGinty administration and there was that whole document dump that the Globe and Mail got that showed unequivocally that they had released the information about their new tanning uh, act that prevented under 18s from using artificial tanning salons to specifically and unequivocally to knock the stories about the gas plants off the front page. And that was all released in emails that the Globe and Mail obtained. This is their job. This is what they do. They manage the message and they try to get the bad news off the front page in favor of stuff like what we, we saw. And, you yeah. know, I didn't hear anything about the Auditor General's report on the CBC News on the way home. Yeah, I mean, that's sh astounding to sh me. Sure enough, we have the, uh, as you can see here, we have the pictures of the license plates on our front page. and Right where the headline yeah, of the Auditor General right. was supposed to and, go. And, and Karen and Miriam's reports on the Auditor General are inside the paper. This right. Is, this is a true, this is, now, I mean, that was that was our choice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I asked editors about it. They said it's a talker and it is a talker and it is news. And as Paula points out, there are legitimate reasons for changing the license plate. I just... You know, part of the reason people listen to this podcast is to find out what's going on on the inside. And this is, I feel very strongly that this was an attempt to knock the important news of the day off the front page. Yeah. Graham, license plates, important or not? Where do you stand on that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not sure I really agree with Karen's conspiracy. Okay. Uh, they've been planning this license plate thing, as Paul has pointed out, for some time. We've known that they're going to talk about the license plate issue for some time. Like they, they've known about it for some time. T to me, it's a case where it's sort of serendipitous for them that this came out at the same time as the AG's report. And it is annoying to a journalist to see people focused on the license plates. I got to say, last night at dinner, we had like a family dinner last night, and I tried bringing up the AG's report and climate change. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh it's, it fun, was, it's fun times at Graham Thompson's dinner. <laughs> and there was animosity towards that. The, the topic they were talking about 
organically came out from all of them was the license plate. Well, of course, because we all have one on our cars. Uh, and people were emailing me yesterday. They were phoning me about this. They're upset about the different choices they have. <laughs> the, no one <laughs> talked about climate change with the AG's report. So in that sense, maybe it's brilliant if the government actually planned it that way. I uh, just I just can't credit them with that much I, smart. I, I agree with you that, uh, that this would take some sort of planning and the timing must be perfect. This was, to me, serendipitous. This is the government just, in a sense, um, through its own luck, it's a very lucky government in many ways, <laughs> managing to get this on the front page as opposed to the uh, the climate change and the AG's report. Uh, so anyway, having said all that, this I find it to be a distraction. It's who really cares? But but the issue of the, wa- the wild rose country, um, again, even though this was planned years ago, they've been planning this, this license plate change, it has been annoying the heck out of the government MLAs that the wild rose name is on the license plates. So there's a bit of an icing on the cake here. If they can get rid of that license plate with the Wild Rose name, it's a, it's a bonus for them. Do they seem to be kind of petty, though, to be taking that off? Uh, I mean, I think the Wild Rose, Wild Rose is having a field day with this. I mean, they, they get a double win. One, they get to accuse the government of doing just as Karen has said, distracting from major important public policy issues of the day. And second of all, they have a wonderful thing with which to tease and twit the government and say, oh, well, he's saying it's not Wild Rose Country. Rob, <laughs> Rob Anderson has been having a field day on Twitter with well, this. Because the, the interesting thing is that the polls unequivocally are running in favor of the Wild Rose. I mean, they're defeating the Tories again and again and again virtually across the province. So, you know, the joke is, you know, is it because of the license plates? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to ask, seriously. So we had this other discussion when we should have been discussing the serious AG's report. I was having <laughs> a, a vote in the newsroom about which license plate we liked best. No. I like number one. And we should add that, right? That they're letting people vote. And I frankly don't give a... It's, it's democracy in action. I don't right? yeah, care this, this is the that kind it doesn't of democracy. have a motto anymore. Although I think the website's really... I don't... Uh, surely anyone with a search engine can find the government of Alberta's website. Alberta, no, wait, Alberta.ca. And what happens if in 10 years we don't have... I mean... Th- the digital Someone environment... Someone buys the domain name? Well, I mean, the digital environment moves very fast. I mean, maybe, you know, some you know, little bitty proto Mark Zuckerberg somewhere will invent something completely <laughs> different and Alberta.ca will make us look goony and old fashioned in true. five years. One of the but students in the room, yes. Let me make a plug here for Lucas Timmons app on our website. He's he's created an app where you can actually put your own slogan into the license plate. And Miriam Ibrahim, my colleague down at the legislature, put climate change country in there <laughs> yesterday. I like the ones that say winter is coming, the Game of Thrones <laughs> analogy, because it always is. It's true. I'm already thinking yes, the I, days are getting shorter. And I've seen somebody on Twitter who photoshopped these to make them. They're all summer scenes. Yes. So somebody, somebody <laughs> photoshopped them to make them look like the Misty Mountains from, from uh, the Lord of the Rings, you know, with the snow coming in. So we're supposed to find out the winning license plate and on, uh, well, when do we know? August 19th is when people can vote until... I'm on. I'm on team three. I just. I just oh, want to make you that are so plain. misguided. This is your worst decision ever. <laughs> okay, let's move on because Karen is just looking at me with such disgust. No, I wanted <laughs> to say that I'm abstaining from the vote about the license plates. I'm totally voting, and I'm voting more than once. Uh, okay, let's move on to the meat of the Auditor General's report. Karen, tell us what was in that many series of reports and Graham too the, between, between the two of you there was a lot of information there so can you give us the the full spectrum of what he talked about sure so I'll give you just the quick hits the actual facts news um Two overarching themes throughout the report. One, the government isn't adequately monitoring multiple programs. And two, the government isn't 
uh, fully reporting its progress and activities to to Albertans. Um, so definitely the biggest story coming out of the Auditor General's report was written by my colleague Miriam Ibrahim, um, a story about a, a Alberta's climate change initiative. Uh, the strategy was designed in 2008 and the government has never issued a public report about its progress or its success or failure. There are, it's actually a very comical uh, chart in the AG's report that shows that, you know, they've started it in 2008 and then they start a review and then they then they create an implementation plan for the 2008 strategy. Um, just sort of a um, an all-around failure to educate Albertans about what, if anything, its climate change strategy is doing. So definitely the most important news of the day should have been on the front page, in my opinion. Um, also, Darcy Henton from the Calgary Herald wrote an excellent story about an also very crucial issue for Albertans, the, uh, the outsourcing of surgical facilities. So this is like when you go to get your LASIK eye surgery, right? The government contracts out that work to um, other organizations that do it, but they're not effectively monitoring the the work that, that that's that's happening at those clinics um third in the story that i wrote was about the fact that the uh, annual reports that the government departments issue uh fail to both provide decent information to albertans but also fail to provide any kind of analysis right and you said he basically gave them a how-to guide for what they should be doing he did right? he yeah. did and it was a really thorough one and i know that uh that Sahar was really um, insistent on that, that making the newspaper. He specifically asked us to include information about that in our stories, which I've never heard him do either. Mm. Um, and then a little bit on gravel. I mean, we don't oversee our gravel extraction and we don't make sure that they're reclaiming it. Plus, we heard about trucks. Now, Alberta, as we know, if you drive down the Yellowhead any day, you see tons and tons of those big rigs. Uh, we have an inspection system, but nobody is following up on the trucks that are dangerous. Oh, and, terrifying. I mean, this is... in a. People sometimes their eyes glaze over when it's the Auditor General's report, but he doesn't just report on you know the protocols for reporting annual you know annual data. An analysis of the fact that we're not following up on truck safety on our highways. I mean that's bread and butter information that should should affect and frankly terrify everybody who's on the highway this summer. Before we go into further analysis, I just want to ask: Had they made had the government been doing anything right or made any improvements? Because there were some notes that he had they had taken some Go positive ahead. steps so yes they've taken some really uh positive steps Athabasca University got straight A's cleaned up their mess uh with respect to their administrative policies and also interestingly it looks like the credit card debacle is finally over so in 2007 there was a spectacular story about a, a high-ranking EA in the in the Stelmac government who uh, took his corporate credit card from the government of Alberta and went to Vegas and blew like $47,000 on a bachelor party and so that would be a really fun bachelor party but you totally. shouldn't do it on your corporate yeah, yeah. expense account. Yeah, what, what's, what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yes. So anyway, this obviously, Chuck, this was when, uh, I mean, Chuck Rosnell reported on this for us. And, um, you know, it was a huge story at the time and obviously, you know, salacious details. And then, you know, it occasioned this Auditor General's report and a massive overhaul. And that seems to be finally in place. They've got the corporate credit cards under control. Everybody's putting in receipts and they're not buying booze anymore. Okay, so Graham, what stands out for you in the Auditor General's reports? Well, two things, actually. First, overall, um, he, his tone is changing. He's becoming more frustrated. He's oh, becoming yes. more outspoken. Yes. And this is a trend you're seeing happen before with Fred Dunn, for example. Yeah. When, when the AGs are first named as Auditor Generals, they come in very carefully, and their wording is very um, bureaucratic. Mm -hmm. They're very careful. And then over time, they realize the government's ignoring them. They're not listening to their advice. And within two or three years, it's taken about four years, three and a half years for Merwin Sayer to come out and say he's, he's basically frustrated. Uh, the government's not listening to him. 
and he, he his um his tone and his language and his report and what he was telling us in the news conference, you can see that this is the frustration is getting to him. So he, this is the most outspoken report yet from um from the auditor gen the new auditor general. The big issue for me was climate change. And this is like to me it's like a and I told you so moment. I'd been looking at this issue. I, I spent a year at the University of Toronto uh, studying climate change and also carbon capture and sequestration. And it was clear back then, 2009, this isn't going to work. And uh, his report is saying two things. That the government has not uh, it announced this big plan to reduce carbon dioxide uh, and greenhouse gas emissions back in 2008. And this was uh, them saying the big issue here, we can do it with carbon capture and sequestration. In other words, t taking carbon dioxide from smokestacks, putting it underground. We can solve all our problems doing that. It was very clear back then they couldn't. They couldn't prove they could do that. And now the report is saying this week, not only is the government not paying attention to its own strategy, um, the carbon capture sequestration might account for 10% of their goal. Um, oh, yeah, that's as, as not enough. Yeah, so as opposed to doing 70% through carbon capture, it may get 10% results from carbon capture. So it's really clear carbon capture is not going to solve our problems with carbon dioxide emissions. So the question is, what's the plan B? How do they make up that gap? And they have no plan B. They're working on a plan B. We may see results this fall with a new strategy, but I think what's going to happen is they don't know what they're going to do. And this report this week is so important because it's actually pointing out the government has no plan to reduce its carbon dioxide emissions uh, in an important way. Is there a way to fix, fix this? I mean, is it just that you start documenting or do you finish a, a plan or just come up with a different plan? Or I, what, I don't know. That's the thing. So we now know it's a big problem, but how do they fix it? That's, that's the question. We don't know the answer to that. They're going to announce something this fall, uh, some revamped strategy. Mm -hmm. But even then, the question is, if they're putting most of their, bas their eggs in the basket of carbon capture and sequestration, if that's the way you're going to reduce your emissions, and that's not going to work, and that's been very clear now for years it's not going to work, and we're seeing reports saying it's not going to work, then how do they reduce it? And they don't know. They haven't got the answer. I thought, uh, I thought it was interesting on the same day that the AG's report came out and the license plates announcement, the Wild Rose Party did release their energy strategy as well, and they had a different plan, right? They talked about moving the focus from oil sands greenhouse gas emission to renewable energies. That's That seems to be where they think they should solve the problem. And uh, Karen, I interrupted you. You were about to say something. Two things. We don't know how they're going to fix the problem because the environment minister, Robin Campbell, refused interviews to the press on the day that the AG's report came out. Um, he was ostensibly had back-to-back -back meetings and would not grant an interview. Um, the second thing I want to say is it's important to contextualize this issue. Alberta's failure to manage its greenhouse gas emissions directly impacts our uh, social license to develop the oil sands and specifically, I think, impacts our uh, ability to get Keystone built and also um, any of the other pipelines that we need to get our, our product to market. So I think that that context is important here. Um, uh, I think the report is is it could very well be damaging. I mean, maybe maybe somebody else wants to comment on that. But I think it's it's interesting to note that this is this is this defines our uh, credibility for for our environmental management, right? Yeah. What what do you think about Paula? I mean, what's what do you think they need to do? <laughs> Please no. solve our greenhouse gas emission <laughs> no. problems for us now. No, I mean. There is nothing that they can do in the time remaining to solve our greenhouse gas emissions. The problem is far more complex than that. But what I think is really interesting about what happened this week is what is the point that Graham made. Marwan Sahar is the most courtly, gracious, understated auditor general we've 
ever had. I mean, this is not a man, this is not an intemperate person. So when he issues a report this damning, and it's not just about climate change, it's about a whole bunch of issues, including, as I say, my pet thing, the gravel. Um, To me, the gravel is like a metaphor. I mean, we don't think about gravel as being important. It's actually a huge natural resource in this province that we use in our construction industry all the time. And we're not managing the gravel properly. If we can't manage the gravel properly, how can we manage anything else properly? I mean, if we can't be good custodians of the little rocks, how are we going to be good custodians of the bitumen? It's, you know, for me, Marwan Sahar can't solve climate change. I don't think the government of Alberta can solve climate change. What this report indicates is that the government is not being honest about the scale and the immensity of the problem. Maybe I'll just add about the gravel because we haven't really talked about it and Paul just made some really good points. I also think gravel is a really important issue and he said two important things about it in his report. One, that they're not adequately managing the resource. So they're not sure whether we're getting adequate royalties for the amount of gravel that the companies are taking out because it's much like oil sands. You get a lease, you go in, you remove the gravel and you're supposed to pay royalties on it. They don't know how many royalties, how much is coming out of the ground and whether we're getting enough royalties. People are stealing our little rocks. People are, well, they could be. We wouldn't know if they were. And then further to that, they're not reclaiming it. So he also says taxpayers could be on the hook for reclaiming the land that's been destroyed by gravel mining. So, and if you've ever seen a gravel pit, you know that is that it does tremendous damage to the to the surface of the earth. So, you know, two very important points about gravel that you know, didn't really get much press in, in yeah. the Well, no, and I would there. never have expected at the beginning of this podcast that we would talk for several minutes about gravel, but I did not realize the passion that we hold. Well, but and this, you're this, right. This, I mean, this, it yeah. is an imp- the points are important. And yeah. and this is not the I think this I think this is the third AG's report that deals with the gravel, which is oh. why I, which is why I know about it. Uh, but but for me, as I say, it's a microcosm of a much larger problem, and that's a question of environmental stewardship that deals with our water, our air, our our land base. Uh, we have been in this government rotten custodians of of the land that is Alberta, and we can put all the pretty pictures on license plates that we want if we can't preserve the fundamental resource of our natural wonder in this province, then what kind of conservative government are they? Do you think, Graham, that any of the conservative candidates are are prepared for the leadership race, are, have, are prepared to, you know, really tackle this issue, like, the day they get in? The gravel issue or the climate change? <laughs> <laughs> well, both, which apparently both are equally pressing. Well, I would say climate change is still a, bi- a big issue. Um, and going back to what Paula was talking about, we're not asking the, the Alberta government to solve climate change. Of course, they got to do their little part, and they promised to do their part, and they're not doing their part. And it goes back to what um, Karen was talking about. This is a social license. We've got to prove to the world that we're being good on the environment, and also First Nations, and we're failing on those fronts. Um, as for Prentice, he sounds a lot like the Wild Rose, and that is, I think, that he, he has not said he would scrap the uh, carbon capture programs. The Wild Rose would scrap cl- the carbon capture programs. Um, he's saying he doesn't really have much faith in carbon capture. Well, yeah, and he seems to be saying he'll put no more money into That's it. That's right. Than, yeah. So it's $1.3 billion right now. It was supposed to be $2 billion. And this was an idea to actually uh, proof of concept. Like, can we make this work? And it's not really working, and it's too expensive. Um, unless they have a carbon tax, it's a whole different issue. But with Prentice and the Wild Rose, fine, you can say carbon capture is not working, and I would agree with that. What's your plan B? How do you reach their goals? And just talking about things like, um, you know, being more environmentally conscious, drive our cars, 
fewer times. It's not going to solve it. The goal right now for Alberta is to reduce emissions by 200 million tons a year by 2050. 200 million tons a year. 140 million of that was to be through carbon capture. So if you can't get 140 million, you may, you may get 20 million out of that. Where's the other 120 million tons coming from? And you can't do it by being by driving your car less. Yes, yeah. LED light bulbs do not solve this. You need to have some sort of massive strategy, and nobody is bringing that forward. Not the NDP, not the Liberals. No one has an answer. That's the problem uh, worldwide, globally. The the, the big problem. So I'm not saying can't Alberta should be the one solving the problem, but we should be doing our part just to prove to the world we, we actually are serious about. Um, the environment. Well, and mostly what we shouldn't be doing is lying and pretending that we are doing our part when we're not. Mm. Okay. Well, with that, we'll wrap up and I'm sure we will talk about climate change and greenhouse gas emissions much I more so. in coming weeks. <laughs> I know Graham will make sure that we do. From license plates to auditor generals to good stuff from the gallery, let's let's head on into our final segment, the last part of our weekly podcast road trip. Um, this is where we just we suggest a good read, something uh, good to listen to or watch with a political connection. Paula, do you want to start this week? I do. I am going to recommend a piece from The Guardian, uh, the British website and newspaper. It's a really fascinating story about a an international issue that I don't know that people here have really had top of mind. The headline is, Germany asks top U.S. spy to leave country. And uh, the article goes on at greater length to detail the growing tension between the United States and Germany over NSA spying on Angela Merkel and the German government. Uh, it's, uh, I guess the World Cup is not enough to distract Germany from the fact that they're a little annoyed that one of their major allies has been spying on them in a time of peace. So if you can't spy on your allies. Who can't you spy <laughs> So, you know, the, the Guardian story, you know, uh, from the British perspective, you know, the disinterested point of view. It's it's a it's a I think a very timely read. Okay, and we'll put the link up to that on our Facebook page and our website. Karen, do you have a recommendation? I think everybody should read Miriam Ibrahim's story on the Auditor General's report on climate change. Okay. <laughs> well, we yeah. and you and, and you know what that's an honest recommendation yes. from her because you wrote a blog post that included yeah. a wrap up of all the coverage of the Auditor General's report. So yeah, that was my way of expressing my frustration. Okay. All right. I, I notice you're not turning everyone to the license plate page. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm gonna recommend a story that we didn't get around to this week, but it has to do with the issue of uh, who should be regulating uh, sec securities in Canada? Should it be provincial regulators or should there be a national regulator? Uh, two other provinces this week, New Brunswick and Saskatchewan, have said, yeah, we'll buy into a national regulator. And uh, there's a story that uh, from the, I'll post a link to a couple of different stories. The one I've got in front of me is from the Calgary Herald from Amanda Stevenson. Alberta won't be bullied, Horner vows. So this is uh, Finance Minister Doug Horner saying that Alberta still believes that it should hold on to regulating uh, uh, financial issues in Alberta. So I recommend that. Graham, you've got something? I actually have one and a half recommendations. Excellent. I'm actually getting, reading an article in Harper's Magazine, a new ma magazine about how uh, Obama has failing his own environmental legacy. Mm. I just began it, so I haven't actually finished it, so I really can't comment on it. Okay. Um, my fallback position is the Auditor General's report. <laughs> oh, we're the so whole report? <laughs> Just the parts on climate change. And, and gravel. The and gravel, gravel stuff is course. really sexy. It's <laughs> scintillating. You go online, Auditor General, the report's there. And the thing is, though, if you want to read um, how he actually writes these things, it, it's going to seem really, really dry to a first-time reader of these things. But i got to say, he is much 
better than he used to be. Even from a year ago when I was covering yeah. it, yeah. I noticed it was stronger, much stronger language. He was a quote machine in the press conference. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. And this, as I say, this happens again and again. Um, the Auditor Generals get frustrated and they start talking to us a lot more openly about this should be in your news stories because the government's not listening to them. Anyway, the AG's report online, uh, there's sections there about climate change and gravel. It's worth <laughs> reading. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Next week, we got some. Someone's got to bring some fiction to the table, or something like that. Or yes, but it's hey, those I, are all I, good. I, I, well, I brought you. It's, it's those called are the all government's, good things. Government's climate change strategy. Uh, I, I brought you an international spy scandal. That's good. I like that. <laughs> well done, Paula. And with that, it's time to park this week's episode. Yes, one more driving analogy. For more, you, oh no, there's more. For more, you can cruise EdmontonJournal.com to find a video excerpt or two of our show compiled by journal videographer Ryan Jackson. If you've missed an episode of the podcast or just want to load up your device with hours of the press gallery for your upcoming summer road trip, you can find previous episodes. My dad does that on the journal's <laughs> website in the op-ed section. You also can subscribe on iTunes. Just search the press gallery or on the journal SoundCloud feed. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash the press gallery. That's it for this week. Please join us again next week in the press gallery.